I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This, this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey alongside George Bremer. George, it's been a very doom and gloom, tough week here in Coltsland as the Colts have gotten off to the worst start probably imaginable so far as they are sitting at 0-1-1. I'm personally an eternal optimist. I always try to look at the bright side. I think there are some areas, not a lot, clearly, but some areas we could point to today to give Colts fans optimism that after just two weeks of season is, in fact, not over. There is still a reason to believe this team can get to where they want to go, especially when it comes to one of their early season goals of winning the AFC South. But also, how we get to that optimism, George, provide answers. Who's the most to blame? And also, how can this team turn it around? So with that said, George, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It's a heavy burden that you've given <laughs> us there, though. But yeah, no, it's been a depressing week. Uh, no question about it, but uh, hey, my wife got her first middle school volleyball win last night. Let's and go. My daughter is celebrating her birthday, so it's a big week in the Bremer household. Happy birthday to your daughter. So look at that. We're already starting with some optimism. Your wife <laughs> and your daughter providing some some positivity here in an otherwise negative Colts world. So look at that. We're already off to a hot start delivering on promises that we said. But with that said, George, at least let's start on a negative aspect, right? At least kind of look back one last time at the Jaguars loss. They're 0-1-1. This has been a total disaster. Like you said, we've we've highlighted the importance so far of getting off to a good start is for the Colts, and they have done the complete opposite so far. Fan, The fan base has gone wild, and rightfully so, wanting Frank Reich fired, wanting Chris Ballard fired. I know it's early on in the season. Jim Mercer has never fired a coach in season in his 25 years as owner of the, uh, of the Colts. Do you agree with the fans? Is Frank Reich right now extremely on the hot seat where he should be fired pretty soon? I mean, I think he's extremely on the hot seat. I think everybody in the organization should be extremely on the hot seat. And when, when I watched that game on Sunday, my first thought was a total organizational failure. I mean, every single aspect did not go well. You know, whether it's the roster construction, whether it's the game plan, whether it's the execution on the field, nobody, and, and I don't think anybody does, nobody right now with that franchise should feel confident or comfortable with how things have gone. I mean, like you said, disaster is the right word. You know, they're 0-1-1. and 
He just got shut out in Jacksonville. And I think the most disturbing thing about it is eight months after what we all called the worst loss in franchise history, you go back into that same stadium and it looks the same, if not maybe even a little worse. That's that's the biggest frustration you're right because you, you've the Colts have talked all offseason about learning from that. Frank Reich has called that loss in week 18 a scar, a scar that he does not want to remove. And you would think the way the Colts have talked after that loss, they would learn from it and make sure that a performance like that does not happen again. And you're right. I mean, you could argue this game was even worse than week 18. I mean, they didn't even score a point. The offense looked feeble at best. It was it was a tough watch. With that said, though. I'm with you. Look, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, I think so far through the first two weeks are the most to blame for these struggles. With that said, I know a lot of the fans right now are calling for Frank Reich's job after week two and saying, don't even get on the plane back to Indy, just fire him right there. Frank Reich right now does not deserve to be fired. Not yet, at least. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt to get through this season for a few reasons. Number one, I know a lot of Colts fans right now would not agree with the statement, but I still think it's true. I think Frank Reich's a good coach. Like I get right now, the, the the slow start is not very good, and it's been a lot of it's been on him uh, for some of this lifeless performance of the Colts so far. But when you look at his four plus years so far in Indy, he's 37, 29, and one. He's made two playoff berths with five different quarterbacks. That lack of continuity is so hard on a head coach to try to consistently get success from this team when every single year the quarterback carousel is turning and you have no idea. Um, who's going to be your quarterback, and there's no way to really build from one season to the next. And also, too, last thing I'll say about at least Frank Reich, at least right now, in terms of keeping his job, as maddening, as frustrating as it is to get off these slow starts, especially when we both have highlighted the extreme importance of getting off to a hot start this year more than ever with five division games in the first seven weeks and really having a chance to kind of get out in front of the division early, which is something they've not been able to do for a long time, really at, at any point in the Frank Reich era. And as frustrating so far as they have done the complete opposite of getting off to a hot start being 0-1-1, uh, Frank has shown a knack for turning this team around. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he just needs a few weeks to get comfortable on the offense or have a few weeks to have his message or maybe he's the best when his back's against the wall. Whatever it is, we saw him in 2018 go 1-5. This team made the playoffs and made it to the second round of the playoffs. Last year, they're 1-4. Should have made the playoffs. Obviously, they collapsed. You know, it's inexcusable. But he has at least shown now a track record to be able to turn this team around. So I think he deserves the right, at least, to dig himself out of this early season hole he's put himself into. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, you know, they have they have had a history of doing just this, you know, slow starts, uh, get hot towards the end of September, stay hot through November, and then December, you kind of coast on into either the playoffs or, you know, however the season ends. But, uh, and I agree. I think that, I think he's a good coach. I really do. I think there's a lot of things going wrong right now with this football team, and I think he's part of that equation. I mean, anytime you look the way you do through through two weeks, everybody should be looking in the mirror. Everybody should be feeling like maybe, you know, what can I do personally to get better to, to make this, you know, turn around? Uh, and that starts with the head coach. It always does, you know, and he's going to be blamed. I mean, you can look at anything that happens with this team is ultimately on him, and he's the first to say that. So, you know, I understand where the fan anger is coming from because you've had two games that are unacceptable, uh, the most recent one on every level. And it's really, you could go back to even the Raiders game last year, that four-game stretch where you've not seen this team play up to its potential. Uh, that being said, I think some of that, what you're talking about with the slow starts, goes back to the five-quarterback thing. Every year it's a new offense. They want to build the offense around the strengths of that quarterback. I think it takes some time 
to kind of learn what that is and, and how that's going to all work together. I think it was most evident in 2020 with Phillip Rivers. You go back to that Cleveland loss, which felt a lot like this yes. one. It wasn't a shutout, but it was a complete disaster. Uh, gave the game away in so many different ways. And after that game, things just started to click. Rivers got on a hot streak, played a really great stretch for about a month, month and a half of football. They started winning games. You know, it could happen again. It doesn't feel like it right now. It didn't that week. If you could put yourself back in that emotional state, it didn't after that Browns game either. But we've seen it happen before. I think the problem this year is it's never from an offensive standpoint, it's never been this bad. They're the 32nd scoring team in the NFL right now. Uh, that's going to happen when you get a shutout, you know, in the first two weeks, you're yeah. almost always going to be last. But that, that to me is the thing that the hill's a little bit higher to climb than it has been in the past. But I agree with you. I think we've seen history tells us they can do it. They at least deserve the chance to, to dig themselves out of this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And to your point, George, like, what is firing Frank Reich right now going to do? Like, honestly, is this Colts team being held back because of, of play calling? No, it's he's been part of the problem. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, be a Frank Reich apologist. Everyone, like you said, deserves blame right now for this slow start. But it's like, okay, well, the, the offensive line right now has has been is underwhelming to say the least. I mean, with the money that they're paying, we'll get to the offensive line here in a little bit, but they've been a massive disappointment. Defensive line's not getting any pressure. You know, they, they have trouble, uh, for whatever reason, you know, getting after Trevor Lawrence. The run game has not been established in part because the offensive line can't get any movement in Jacksonville like we saw in week number two. There has been zero, literally zero contributors consistently outside of Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor in offense. Matt Ryan has been shaky at times. Some of it's his fault, some of it's not. So you look around, Chris Ballard's to blame. The players are to blame. Frank Reich's to like. Everyone right now is to blame. I would even probably right now put more blame on Chris Ballard than even Frank Reich because I think a lot of the positions he ignored or took gambles on are, are backfiring in a big-time way. And to Frank Reich's, I guess, defense, it's hard to call play sometimes when your left tackle is getting beat like a drum. And even some of the guys you paid are right now are not doing anything on the offensive line. So there's so much blame to go around that like, if you do fire Frank Reich like a lot of the fans want to do after week number two, like I don't know where that gets you. Okay, Marcus Brady's now probably going to come over, you know, be the interim head coach, we'll say, or at least be the play caller in offense, right? I don't know how much better this offense is going to be with, with Frank right now there. So at least give him the opportunity to dig out of an 0-1-1 hole. Like you said, build some continuity of Matt Ryan, which is another, you know, you know, the fifth quarterback in five years. I know he's had the most really training camp opportunities of almost any quarterback they've had in the five years. But like you said, it's still a process. And also, it's still a process when no one else around him is stepping up and making any sort of plays outside of your two stars. Yeah, and I think, you know, I just go back through history in the NFL. How often does a midseason coaching change change anything? You know, maybe the next week, but even at the college level, I mean, Nebraska fired Scott Frost. How do they feel now? Yeah. At, the, at the time, you that know, did a lot. It, saved, it saved a lot of anger at that time. And it's a short-term fix. You know, if, if, if Ursay came out today and said, that's it, I'm done, he's gone, the fans would rejoice – but then if on Sunday Kansas City comes out and boat races them, you're right back in the same place you were in. So, 
you know, I, I, I just don't, uh, to me, head coaching changes at mid season don't very often make much of a difference. The only time I think that really makes a lot of sense is when the head coach is uh, an abrasive personality, when he's causing problems in the locker room, his demeanor or, or his, you know, the, his leadership style. And that's not the case with Frank Reich. I don't think even his biggest detractors would say that, uh, you know, I, I just look at, what you said, I to me, the, the very first thing that comes to the top of mind for me, this team had seven Pro Bowlers last year. It's been hyped again and again and again. It's, part, it's a big part of the reason we picked them to win the division this year. It's a big part of the reason there were high expectations coming into this season. They added three more in the offseason, and Yannick Ngakwe, Stephon Gilmore, and Matt Ryan. And where are they? Where are they on game day outside of Jonathan Taylor, who's done the most he can given his circumstances? Where are the other nine pro bowlers? Where are you seeing that coming from? That to me is, you know, priority number one. Especially too, George, because I remember, I remember this conversation vividly. We were back in training camp and as always, I feel like coming out of Colts camp, guys look good. Guys are flashing. Oh, Unique Ngakwe is, you know, beating Matt Parr like a drum and getting after the quarterback looking good. Alec Pierce is making one-on-one plays and looking good. I always feel like the Colts in training camp look good and you hear good positivity coming from, you know, whether it's their own stars, whether it's guys that are developing and on the up and up. And this has been a consistent trend so far in recent years has been their disappearance in the big game, whether it's right now to start the season, whether it's in a big game, you need a, you know, a big play from your quarterback or your wide receiver or your defensive end. The Colts have, I feel like routinely come up short in that area. And now, like you said, when you look at the talent and we're trying to throw blame around and say, what's going on? Sure, it's easy to point the finger, like I said, Frank Wright, Chris Bell, like we've been doing. And again, they deserve blame, rightfully so. But also, this Colts team, they have made a heavy investment in bringing stars in and bringing proven veterans in and have paid those proven veterans to perform. And right now, everyone, like I said, outside of Jonathan Taylor, has not shown up. Unique Ngakwe, zero impact whatsoever, no sacks in two games against two offensive lines that he should have success in in, in uh, Houston and in Jacksonville. You had, you know, Stephon Gilmore playing okay, not getting too many opportunities, but Kenny Moore has been so far, you know, playing like the worst year of his career. Um, you know, the, the offensive line with Ryan Kelly, you know, and Quentin Nelson have been a disaster. You paid Braden Smith as well. He's not been very good. Michael Pittman Jr., you know, has been solid, but again, he's been on the field for one game. Matt Ryan has been under siege and he's had, you know, uh, so far, an inability for anyone else outside of the two stars to step up. You're right. It's been a total disaster in part because a lot of the guys that you are relying on, Shaq Leonard hasn't been on the field, which obviously is a huge, you know, key for this defense. They've either been not on the field or not performing to their standards. And it's been a big issue right now. We're sitting at this team who's one of the worst, frankly, through two weeks in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I would put him. I, I know we had the, the power rankings up there earlier on, on the scroll. I would put him 32nd right now. I don't know how you put anyone above the, or behind them. Uh, when, when you look at the teams that they've played and the performances they've had against them, uh, I just don't, in, in my mind right now, through two weeks, now that changes. The NFL is the most week-to-week league right. in, in the world. I mean, we, we know this. We see it every year. You know, somebody comes out and, and looks horrible, and then they upset, you know, supposedly the best team in the league. And we it's gotten to the point where there are no surprises in the NFL anymore. There are no upsets because you could see it coming. I mean, you just look at last Sunday within games, what the Cardinals did against the Raiders, what the Dolphins did, you know, in, in their comeback against the, the, the Ravens. Ravens. Yeah. 
and, and what the Jets did to the Browns. You know, those things happen within games, let alone week to week. It's almost a quarter to quarter league right now, I guess. But through two weeks, I I think you have to, if you're looking at it objectively, you have to think the Colts are the worst team in the league. I would agree. And ESPN, they've had the, the Colts ranked now 25th through two for uh, through two weeks. NFL.com is 26. And you have, you know, Mike Florio, uh, a pro football talk. I think he's right. He's with you, George. He's the 32nd. He's the worst team in the league. 